Welcome to This Dad Reads, a bookish podcast spanning genres and fandoms. I'm your host, Jason, and on today's episode, author Kevin Scott joins me to talk all about his new Star Wars High Republic novel, Path of Vengeance. What's going on, my fandom friends? I hope everyone is doing well out there. Today is a day that I have been looking forward to for quite a while now. Um... I have author Kevin Scott joining me to talk about his latest novel, Path of Vengeance, part of phase two of The High Republic. That's coming up in just a bit, but Path of Vengeance is out everywhere today, and my review is live on thisdadreads.com, so definitely go check that out. It's another five-star from me to this initiative to Mr. Scott's writing. It's an awesome book. It is over 500 pages, so plenty of Um, you know, awesome content. And it's just one of those reads that you're not going to want to put down. So more to come with Kevin Scott himself in just a minute. But before we dive into that, I wanted to go over my last current next. So the last book that I read, the last book that I listened to, and I talked about this on my previous episode, and guys, full disclosure, I kind of failed. I I didn't read two books at once. I thought I was going to be able to start one book reading it physically while listening to another. That just didn't happen. I I think I had, it was too lofty of a goal for myself. So uh, the last book I read slash listened to was the audiobook of Iron Gold by Pierce Brown, the one, two, three, fourth novel in the Red Rising series. Um, It's part of my reread that I've been doing since January. And so I have Dark Age, the fifth book that is currently out up on the agenda for May. And I am stoked for Lightbringer coming out in July. So it's all happening. Um, Iron Gold is definitely a pivot in terms of tone and story for this series. And it was actually my third time engaging with it. And I think I've loved it more every time I've read it. Um, I do that thing where I first read a book that I'm really wanting to read and I just devour it so fast that a lot of the details or like maybe the subtlety or the nuance of the text kind of goes you know, goes past me and I miss it. But um, the first time I reread this book, I read it physically. And then this third time I did the audio drama. So I feel like I have the whole experience now and um, just appreciate what Pierce Brown did with this story, these characters. Um, And I'm obviously I won't speak to too many spoilers, but to the other Red Rising fans out there who are listening, um, just the Ephraim um, and Lyria relationship to me is just so good. I mean, it's heartbreaking and dark and deep and it's just it's so good there's so much depth with pierce's characters so anyway that was the last book i read loved it can't wait to dive into dark age um and so that's coming up next month the book i'm currently reading was the book i said i was going to read concurrently um but i'm diving in now it's the endless vessel by charles soul um And I'm about a little more than halfway through at this point, and I'm really enjoying it. I didn't really know what to expect. I was going to it pretty blind. So this book comes out in June, and it's about, um, it's set in the current day, but basically there's an affliction going on globally called the Grey that is kind of like um, a depression that is, it's like a depression slash 
um, pandemic, kind of. Like, basically, people can get affected by it and um, they can control it. But it's kind of like this darkness and this grayness that once you have it, you can't get rid of it. You can maybe manage your symptoms. And there's different versions of it that you can have. And one version of it is this kind of, like, extreme joy where you kind of just, like you find a weird pleasure in just the bleakness of life. And so it's the, this people's goal to get as many people afflicted with the gray as possible. And so it's there's this um, woman in the UK who stumbles across a device that potentially can have world saving powers. And she kind of, it's kind of like an Alice in Wonderland. She goes down the rabbit hole of discovery. She's figuring out stuff from her past, from her family. And it's a wild ride so far. It's very like genre defying in my opinion. And so it's fun. It's a crazy ride. Um, and so I'll, I'm in the middle of that right now. I will have my official review of that up in May sometime. And I'm hoping I can actually speak to author Charles Soule on the podcast about this very book in the future. And the next book I'm reading is called Lethal Connections, The Poison ID Unit by authors Eric Daniel Shine, Melissa Davis, and Karen Fuller. I'm going to read the back of this book because I know as little about this book as you guys do, so let's dive in together and see what to expect. It says, in a sleepy little parish just outside of New Orleans, murder is no rare occurrence. Sergeant Lance Knight has a pile of unsolved homicide cases on his desk. On the surface, none seem to be connected. The victims are all men with money or power. An investment banker, a lawyer, and a local politician. They don't socially run in the same circles, and Lance can't find a connection. Working closely with coroner Gina Goodwin, Lance and Gina discover a pattern. Three unrelated things the bodies all have in common, a string of lethal connections. Is it just a coincidence, or is it something more? So it's a thriller. Um, it looks like it's going to be a fun time. I don't know what to expect, so more to come on that book as well. All right, where is my guy, Casey? Casey, come on in here. Hey, how's it going, bud? Are you excited? This is We've been looking forward to this for a long time, right? Awesome. Yeah, so you're going to kind of meet your maker, as it were. Not in the bad sense. That sounded weird, but... <laughs> Thanks so much, Casey. So my next guest is no stranger to those in the Star Wars book community. He is the author of The Rising Storm. He writes comics. He writes middle grade novels. And his latest novel, Path of Vengeance, the YA novel from the High Republic is out today. So I would love, Casey, will you give me a warm, help me give a warm welcome to our guest, Kevin Scott. Hello there. How's it going? It's going well. It's going well. It's a very rainy um afternoon in britain here in the minute so if you can hear waterworks in the in the background that's what's happening um but yeah it's all good i'm jealous it's like 90 degrees where i live right now so. oh there we go <laughs> see but that sounds wonderful so i think what we basically need to do is you know the grass is always greener uh -huh. i'll come over to you you come over to me and it it's the truth i used to work in retail and i would have people who would come through who would come who moved to the states i'm in california from the uk and i would be like i would love to live like can we trade it is the, that exact same thing. I would tell them how much I wanted to go to a rainy, dark place. And they said they move here because yeah. they want sun and hot. And I was like, well, no, it's just you never know. It's always the grass is always greener. You're right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, well, thank exactly. you so much for taking time and joining today. And first off, I have to say happy release to Path of Vengeance. Thank you. Path of Vengeance is out in the world. How does it feel? Are you how do, does it feel different every time? Or does it I'm sure you don't get bored of the feeling, right, of having a new book out in the world. No, it does. It does feel different every time. I think this one as well. It was every book has you. You bring with it what what was going on at the time you were writing, and so you know it, it always seems a bit of time travel that suddenly you know this thing's out. It was it's slightly weird with this one because we 
it was a surprise to me, but we had copies on sale at Star Wars Celebration, and I only realized that when they were put in front of me <laughs> by people to sign. And so that was a shock. It was the first time I'd seen it. So um, th- that, was, that was a slightly different way of doing it than usual. You usually get a box and you get them at moments or well, take the book out. And it's a, it's a beast, this one. It's, it's big and long and heavy, and you could do serious damage with it. Um, and you did. But yeah, so that, that, that made it slightly different. And I think it is, all, it is wrapped up in celebration now as well, because... People were buying it on the first day and then coming to sign-ins on the second day with the pages marked, um, you know, because they've been reading them in line and stuff and and already annotating them. And, I mean, that's always um, both awe-inspiring and humbling that people spend that too much time pouring over them. Um, so, yeah, I try, to, I try to make sure that it feels special because when you work on something like The High Republic, when there's been such a turnover of story, um, you have to have those moments when you go, oh, no, we've done something else. We, we've put another story out there um, because it can become too much like, oh, here it is, brilliant, right. Meanwhile, I'm writing this. Um, so it's it's that thing of marking um, marking mm-hmm. the milestones. And so, yeah, I think it's important for any writer when whenever you know you you see the product for the f- the final time you see the book or the or the comic or whatever that you do spend time to sit and flick through it and look through it and realize and remember what it was like to put it together sure i'm sure that's a weird feeling knowing that you're living in this creative space somewhere else where no one else is living and they're all living in the mm. past like you said it's time travel so it's like that that must be a real uh, brain you know <laughs> thing hard, hard thing to do for your brain sometimes <laughs> It is, but I do the the joy of this project is that I live I live there with at least ten other people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so at the minute all the High Republic authors um, or the Lumineers, as people keep calling us, and I'm still find hilarious, <laughs> um, we're living in Phase Three, right. and so you know, and some of us further into Phase Three than others, and so yeah, it, it you you have to remember where you are. And, um, even answering questions, I have to suddenly, uh, someone asked me, a, I was answering a question earlier on about how was our man? And I had to remember where I was when, when I'm answering it, because for me, how's our man is, is, has moved on a bit to the, when we last saw him. So you always have to have that at the back of your mind to try and sort of check in and go, where am I? Yeah. Where, where, <laughs> what, what can, can I, I say? say? And Mike Sclain's answer is you say nothing. That's the head of publishing. <laughs> I Disney. bet, I bet. Uh, Lucasfilm Disney. Um, and he, he watches us like hawks. Um, even when he's not here, it's scary. Um, so yeah, but yeah, it's, you're constantly trying to work out um, where you are in, in a, you know, this is a very different project to a, a lot of things that you do in both Star Wars and, and beyond. So, you know, it's so all encompassing, it's so intense and expansive that, yeah, it, there is just a lot of moving parts at any one time. Oh, I bet. I have a little guy who's kind of poking me over here on the side, and I didn't mean that to sound mm-hmm. weird, but um, KC78 just wanted, <laughs> but it did. KC78 wanted to say hi. You want to me- come say hey, KC? Yeah, this is you. You you know this guy, right? You know Kevin. You want to say hi? Yeah, I, I've yeah, I, I've had a hand in in, in his life. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I kind of resurrected slash stole him, um, just from you know he, he made his way to me. So I'm happy to have my little helper buddy droid, and he was really excited that you Excellent. were going to come on. So good to see him again. <laughs> definitely. Um, so the fandom was definitely wrecked, and I think shocked by Path of Deceit that came out last year, the first YA novel in mm-hmm. phase phase two um so did seeing the response from fans obviously you probably had your own response to that book as just reading it talking Mm. to you know justina and tessa but did that kind of excite you what what did that do to your response as the author of kind of of its sequel essentially i think there was there was a 
there's many answers to this question. One of the answers is that there was a sense of relief because we were taking a massive risk in this mm. phase. Um, so for people who don't know, High Republic is this ongoing um, initiative from Lucasfilm Publishing. And we had the first phase was set in one particular point. And being very George Lucas about it, we moved back 150 years for the second phase. And no one knew if anyone would come with us, um, especially as we were leaving the characters that people are going to love on a cliffhanger um, and very purposely leaving them on a cliffhanger um, and introducing a whole host of new characters. And, and it had been very Jedi led as well. And through Path of Deceit, we were introducing a story that it, you know, was probably one of the first largely non Jedi story within the High mm. Republic. I mean, there have been others, um, obviously from the Narn and, and Lorna and various others as well. But even though, the Jedi played a part in Path of Deceit. It was very much not their story. So the response was gratifying, <laughs> to say the least, because, you know, it proved... I mean, we, we sort of got an inkling at Celebration last year um, when we had the panel, um, which we've all talked about loads because it's still a, a major moment for us, I think, when we realised how many people were in that room. And the response to the Phase 2 um reveals mm -hmm. at that because again that's that's the crazy thing about it. things are moving so quickly that was only last year's celebration and we were revealing pictures of Marder and, and everything <laughs> yeah. for the first time it hasn't time. even no been a year at that point I, no exactly it's crazy <laughs> it's just it's, it's mad and no one knew I, you know i think at that point that i was writing um vengeance and and so it was yeah it was it was gratifying um, but it's always daunting to follow someone's footsteps, mm. you know, especially when you're following writers as skilled as Justina and Tessa. And they created such a unique world, and we'd obviously talked about it, and, and unique characters that um, you do have a, a sense of, um, well, there's a responsibility of taking on characters. And I knew when I was reading Path of Deceit where the characters were going, mm -hmm. um, and I knew their ultimate end, Um as some people who've already read the book now now know. Um, but, yeah, so you're constantly going, okay, I need to live up to this now. Mm -hmm. um, and then there was the added thing of the rising storm went down so well, so incredibly well. I, I never, you know, and that's not a humble boast. That's just the uh, gratitude because I didn't think it would go down as well as it did. So, not only have I got to live up to Path of Deceit, I've got to live up to The Rising <laughs> Storm, and you're only ever as good as your last book. Sure. And so um, there was a lot riding on this one. Um, and, yeah, it's still there a bit. You know, as, as I say, some people have read it. Some reviews are coming in. Um, but from today, that's it. It's out, out yeah. of my hands completely. Um, and it's been out of my hands for a while now. But um, <laughs> the point where a book's released, yeah, that's when you realise that, you know, there's nothing you could do now. And... It's up to the readers now. It's the reader's book. It's not yeah. yours. Thankfully, having been one of the ones that was able to read it early, not as early celebration, couldn't attend this year, unfortunately. Um, I was stoked to have been there last year. That's when we first met. I like hounded you outside. Was, and yeah. <laughs> I was like... I was like, Kevin, get over here. Um, and, you know, had the pleasure of interviewing you and just being able to chat a couple of mm -hmm. times and being one of the people in that room and just getting ready for the fervor. Of, I remember that was one of the questions I asked you about, like, we're stoked to have a YA from you. Like, I just remember the excitement. You know, I'm mainly, you know, fan. Obviously, I, I have I do mm -hmm. reviews and stuff like that, but I'm mainly just like I'm just a fan like everybody else. So I'm stoked to have been one of those people. And knowing it's even for me having it's so hard um 
I'm sure it's way it's not as hard as your job, but just not being able to say as much, like writing a spoiler fee review, especially for something like this, and for people who aren't maybe caught up all the way. So it it's the fandom is just so ready for it, and I don't even think people are even that ready mm. for it. So it, it's an exciting, exciting thing. So excellent, thank you. Definitely. So out of you know some of those characters you mentioned, Marta, she very quickly became a fan favorite, especially for me. Like mm. I really loved her for her complicated nature. She's kind of like good, bad, beautiful. Like there, she's all these things mixed up. So, what was your experience writing such like a complex character as Marta? Marta goes on a journey in this book. It's fair to say, um, and it was a journey that was built in. Like all of these things in, in the High Republic, we've we've discussed these stories in a great length and these characters and their arcs. But Marta is is a complicated character to write. I think I enjoyed writing her cousin Yana more, mm. um, just because, not because of the character, just because I think I could identify more with Yana. Okay. Um, Marda, Marda is a character who becomes, without giving any spoilers, she becomes quite radicalized um, by her past. And also, let's face it, she's a member of a cult. And I think that's, you know, that's we, we start to see in Path of Vengeance how quickly the tide chain turns. Um, for this group of people. And Marda is in the middle of it. She's fascinating to write because she is so um, conflicted through the entire thing. And and she does feel lost, um, both when you're writing her and, and hopefully as a character in the book. And she comes out, um, I, I'm very much, I'm very much, um, of the mind that you have to let characters see, you know, things through to their, their you know, the ultimate end. And as I said, and, and then not, always, you're going to have those moments when you're going to shout and yell at the book because, you know, the, there isn't always a happy ending because that's life. You know, not everyone makes the right choice. And people have talked to me about Tempest Runner, um, which was the audio drama I did about Lorna D, who's another very complicated mm-hmm. character as well. And people have said, you know, I don't, I don't want to get too many spoilers. I haven't hear it, heard it that you know they spent most of the time yelling at her because there's a redemption arc she refuses mm-hmm. to take throughout that entire entire thing. Um, and again, that was important, and we had conversations about that. You know, because people were saying, well. Isn't she not? Is she ending up? She's ending up worse than you know than she was at the beginning. And I was like, that's Lorna's choice, mm-hmm. and that's what she does. And people do that. And um, while Marda is a very different character, hopefully the decisions she makes, even though people might not agree with them all, um, they can see where they come from. Definitely. And I even think amidst her choices, there's still it's just so unique that she is so attractive as a character. Like you, uh, I don't know. I just want. I, I, Whatever she does, whatever she decides, like there's just something about her that makes me care so much. You know, it's mm. it's really unique. It's really cool. You mentioned, I think, because there's certain stories in certain films when you, even though you've watched them or read them dozens of times, you're still yes. hoping that they you won't get the ending you know is mm-hmm. coming. And I I think that was even when I was writing this, I know I knew where Marda would end up, mm. um, and I didn't necessarily want her to get there. Um, but you yeah. know, you can't help I, it. Uh, you know, a character has, has their yep. path. So I'm not fun. allowed to ask the questions I want to ask after you gave me that answer. So we'll just leave those for the future. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned the cult aspect and, you know, the path of the open hand has yeah. been a huge part of the, this phase. And honestly, it's been so interesting and they've been one of my favorite parts of every single story aspect. Um, this is kind of spiritual mm-hmm 
territory. I know the Force has, like, spiritual aspects to it, but I feel like, you know, as a canon and as a story, that's something that really the spiritual aspect hasn't been leaned into a ton. I don't, I'm just curious if you can give me any insights on how this, like, specific type of story and this specific part of, like, humanity, um, like, the story team, what, how, how did that decision get made to focus on that? I think it's as you said, it, it, the Force is described as a religion. You know, the Jedi are, are described as a religion in various stories, and, and it's never really explored. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are a faith. And so we wanted that to be a huge part of the High Republic. And one of the things we kept referring to, obviously the Jedi as a, as a group were influenced heavily by Eastern mm-hmm. religions, by from George. We kept thinking for this period of time of Arthurian um legends and linked to with that the crusades and it, and i kept looking at the um at the templar knights of how how that might influence now so i've got a theology degree and one of the things i looked into a lot was the templars um when i was studying and i find them fascinating because obviously there are a thousand horror films where they're the bad yeah. guys and they're worshiping satan and when you actually look at what little evidence we've got the templars are far more complicated mm. than that um and were you know they were persecuted by the victors of certain battles that went on within the church and again, when you're looking at the Jedi Knights within the entire story, within the entire saga, again, yeah, they're largely an old, an old religion that's been largely wiped mm-hmm. out and and has been treated badly by some people and venerated by others. Um, and so, for me personally, the High Republic is always a chance to treat them as people. And you know, and just as when you look back and you find rare cases of, of um, evidence of what really happened in Templar. Um, night temples um, you know you start to realize why those you know those legends have come um, to fruition mm-hmm. and so for me it's it's that's been part of it and again it was a chance we haven't had a chance in current canon to really look at the force as a you know as a, a melting point of a pot of religions and so this was a chance and when we looked at Jeddah as a possible location um, for mm. a, a vast majority of, of phase two. Um, we looked at Pablo's incredible um, you know, visual dictionary from Rogue One. And of course, he starts to um, go into some of those religi- religious organizations that we see the remnants of in Rogue One. So again, it was a chance for us to go back. And I'm I'm genuinely fascinated by faith and religion. It's I, I don't think it's something I, I particularly have of my own anymore, and I do of it quite academically. Um, but I, I, I'm always fascinated about why people believe and what that belief does to them. Yeah, and I think that was just, to me, at least a pleasant surprise, and it just added this depth to the storytelling. It, it was... It was really is really interesting and cool. So, I, this is a more broad question, um, but I guess what mm-hmm. did you enjoy the most about the all the storytelling happening in Phase Two? We just talked about the spiritual aspect, but what other parts of kind of this s- separate specific timeline brought you joy? I mean, it was it was a from a story point of view, it was a chance to um, expand the the world. Of, of Jedi and to bring in characters who again who weren't Jedi and I'd spent a lot of time writing Jedi in the first phase so I, I was ready to drop the lightsabers even though a lot of my non-Jedi seem to have lightsabers as well but that's <laughs> another story um but I think from taking a step back I think phase two is important to me because of the the wider um, aspect of bringing in the other writers so um obviously phase one 
and the entire plan has been the work of of, of myself and the, the other four architects, story architects. But with this phase, we brought in other people from purely practical reasons as well. <laughs> we can write everything, mm-hmm. and and we needed other voices. Um, and you know, so most of those voices I knew before. A couple, actually, it was only really Lydia. I think I, I met through the High Republic. Um, but it's been a joy to to welcome them into the family and get a new sense of um, new, you know, new senses of, of storytelling, new ideas, um, different ways of working. Obviously, one of them is George, who's one of my oldest friends. Um, so we've worked together at loads. So it was great to work together on this. And we, because George wrote the Battle of Jeddah audio drama, I was writing the comic set on Jeddah. There's elements from the Path of Vengeance that lead mm-hmm. straight from, literally straight from. Um, the Battle of Jeddah, they share a couple of scenes. Um, so George and I could really work well together um, on that because we, we've done that before and it also gave us a chance to hang out. So, <laughs> I mean, part of this, I think Charles said it at the celebration panel this year, you know, it, the, for us, the people on the stage there, you know, the people who, who weren't couldn't get across this year, that group of, that team has really been the joy of it for us because it, it's so wrapped up in what we're doing um, and the storytelling we're 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 taking um, part in. So yeah, I mean, I think that's the biggest joy for me. That's great. That's great. I just too, I have to say for someone who wasn't at Celebration, I felt, I said this in one of my other episodes, I felt like I was there. Like those are my people, like all those cosplayers who looked so awesome and seeing, I wasn't, I wasn't jealous. I was like, I, it was still felt like, I was like, those are my people. Like it felt like I was there. It was awesome. I was so happy just to see the joy and all the people who got to experience it. So we, we were stunned by that entire entire thing uh, so yeah and, and I, I think i've read about it on my newsletter but there was a moment where we were sort of taken outside the convention center to for the meetup and there was like a handful of people and we were like oh okay that's cool um and they went oh no no we're not the meetup and then they pointed it, it was like a proper like comic turn reveal, the page yeah. or you know moment reveal yeah. like, that's the meetup and there was just this gaggle of people at the bottom of the stairs and we were all stunned. I'm interviewed on the live feed at, at one point by Christina, and I, I can't remember the interview. <laughs> I can't remember the interview at all because I was so giddy. Yeah. Um, and it was just, it was, it was, yeah, it was overwhelming, you know. And there was just, con- it's so rare to have that moment where even when you do sign-ins and you're with people, you're not with people. You're behind yeah. a, a table or whatever, and you've got to get the line moving, and you have people from the store going keep going keep going keep going um so to be in a moment where we could just be amongst people who had spent so much time creating these most beautiful costumes i mean stunning 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 work spending time more time in many cases with our characters than we spent because you know they've put hours into building these these amazing costumes and, and crafting them um, that was a uh, that was a real treat and a, a blessing that you don't usually sure. get. And so, I think that's a, a going to be a memory for a long, long time. I don't mean to bring this back to me at all, but last year the meetup at the first cel- uh, celebration twenty twenty two that was my favorite part was the meetup was just being with the people and chatting. Yeah. It was it's the best. So and that's what I'm going to miss the most. Yeah, we thought that couldn't be topped. We were honestly we were like that nothing's ever going to top that. <laughs> and, and it's it's not a top in the sense of. I mean, they're both there because, again, it's, it's just sort of seeing the growth yeah, of it, you know, yeah. and it's seeing the development. Yeah. And um, in some ways, that first one will be always important because, again, that was one of the, re- the moments we realized that this is this is landed. Yeah. This, is, this is having an impact yeah. on people. 
um, and then to see it build onto this year's was, was yeah, incredible. Yeah, so cool. And I've already noticed, I've noticed online and just the spaces that I'm in that more people are coming and I'm just like, open arms, come, like read these books, mm. like love these characters like we do, like... It's so cool. I, I can't tell you how many new Reddit threads there always are about like, where do I start? Where do I start? So we're just like yeah. happily letting... The, the eternal question. Yes, exactly. Where do exactly. I start right? reading this stuff? <laughs> you guys made it relatively easy. So that's always a pretty easy answer, basically. But did your approach to writing Path of Vengeance change at all or your method in the fact that it was like a YA novel? Does that have an effect on you as a writer? Like, what does that mean to you? Story is story, no matter what the medium. And I, of course, I do write across... a varied um spectrum of, of media um which is a, a real a real um joy in itself you know that i have that, that that opportunity um so when i first approach comics it doesn't it's, uh, it's no different to say putting together a story for a for a novel and likewise when i'm moving from sort of novels to audio um and now tv and film as well but I suppose the change comes when it's the it's the lens you're looking through, um, and you have to bear in mind there's a responsibility to bear in mind the the audience. Um, and now I, I've written horror, for example, for kids. You know, <laughs> I've written I've written the Warhammer universe for for like middle grade, um, and it's still got to be recognised be Warhammer, and it's still got to be recognised be for nine year olds. Um, and so. There's a responsibility, um, and it's the same with Path of, of Vengeance. When you're dealing with subject matter, the subject matter, you've got to think about how it's going to impact the final reader. So um, there's obviously sophistication between certain levels of reader, and, and I'm a true believer that every level of fiction has to be sophisticated, um, and you have to treat the, the, the final reader or viewer with, with respect. Um, but you do have to re be responsible and think about how that will come across to someone of that age. And so there would have been choices I would have made if it was a straight adult book that wouldn't have been right to put mm. into a, a book, that, you know, that largely is going to be read by, um, you know, um, people at a very you know, formative part of their mm. life, you know, and they're, they're moving, I mean, literally young adult, they're moving into adult. Um, and it's been a while now since I've been there. Um, but, you know, you can, you know what you were going through at that time as well. So I think, that's the only real difference. The, the central plot can be the same. It's how you put that across and the choices you make and what to show, the choices you make in how the characters respond. Um, and yeah, it, it's all down to responsibility. Really. Perfect. So there are um, a number of connections. I'm trying to tread lightly here. A number of connections, and I would say puzzle <laughs> pieces that click into place in Path of Vengeance that... Um, for people who pay attention, and a lot of you know Star Wars readers pay attention, um, are going to be very oh, very they? satisfied by. But I think also left kind of still wondering. Like I, I guess I'm just my question is: Are you that kind of lore puzzle master person, or does it? I mean, obviously you said story always comes first, but how do those kind of clicking in pieces? How does that work? Is that uh, something that you know you have to include, and so you have to wrap it in, or is it something you enjoy doing? I think it's the way my brain works and I think it comes from being a fan of things like Star Wars and Doctor Who and and James Bond and all those things that actually I mean yeah, we've all know actually it's a lot to do in a Doctor Who fan because Doctor Who has no canon really <laughs> at all in any way um, and if it does it will change next week um, and 
So as a fan, you spend a lot of time trying to work out how that works. Um, And it's the same with comics and everything. Um, And for me, that's always the fun bit. And so I get the chance to do that professionally, which is great. And one of the things, the joys of working on a project like this, um, and the one thing I hopefully bring to it, and I know other people have commented about, is that I do like solving problems. And so I do like saying oh, well, that's an issue, but hang on, we did that over there. If we pull that over here and we just twist it a little bit and we do this, it'll work. Um, and, and yeah, and so it is how my brain okay. works. Um, I I know because of this, I've been, Mike has, uh, um, Seglain has lent on me to do certain things. So, you know, there was a, a there was a long list of things that this book had to mm-hmm. do while also trying to be a good book. Um, which hopefully succeeded. And I think it's, again, it's, it's having a light touch. So, mm. yes, there are a lot of Easter eggs in there for people who've been reading everything else. Hopefully it doesn't um, trip too many people up if they haven't. One of the things recently is that I've watched Picard with my, just across the streams, the star streams. I've watched Picard with my wife recently. Now, my wife is not a Star Trek okay. fan in any way whatsoever. Loves Picard. Never really watched Star Trek. Knew generally because she lives with me, who the characters <laughs> mm-hmm. were, but never really watched an episode. Um, and I think before Picard Series 1, I showed her best of both worlds. And that was pretty much, that was her experience of Next Generation. Completely passed her by. Um, and has watched this latest series of Picard, which is incredibly continuity heavy, but at the same time, incredibly continuity light, because everything is explained in the show. And so I remember saying to one point, do you need me to run through what the Dominion War was? And she said, from what I can gather, it was a war. It was called the Dominion War between the Federation and people who could change their shape. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's pretty, pretty much, much it. it. Um, so she didn't need to know about the battle. She didn't need to know about the episodes of DS9. And that's what I'm always trying to do um, in these mm-hmm. books and reward people yes. um, um, who, sorry, the, the Bureau of the Writer, um, who obviously wrote um, Afra um, originally, um, he said about, you know, it's it, uh, an Easter egg should be a treat. It shouldn't be a, you know, a, a, a treat to find, not not something to be, beat someone over the head with. Um, and that's been built into Star Wars from the very beginning. So, yeah, hopefully it, there's no beating overheads going on. But, um, you know, it's, it is a delicate, delicate sure. balance sometimes to do. And especially with something like Path of Vengeance, which had so many things to lead in, lead in from, and was also had to set out certain things for the end of phase two and beyond as well. So, yeah, there was there was a lot of moving parts to bear in mind with what I was doing. Definitely. Well, I loved it. I couldn't put it down. Kevin, that to, to me, the, the litmus test of a book, if I know I'm going to love it, is if I don't want to stop. And I, at all costs, sleep, whatever. I don't want to stop <laughs> reading it. You need to sleep. Sleep is important. <laughs> it is important, especially for, you know, tired dads like me out there. Um, but um, I loved it. My review is out now, and it I gave it five stars. Like, it, it's awesome. It's amazing. Oh, so thank congratulations. You. Thank you. I, it's, an, it's an awesome accomplishment. And I just, and thank again, you. it was everything I was hoping it would be, and I think everyone's going to love it. So I also want to just give a quick shout-out to Corey Brickley, the artist who worked on the cover mm. art. I I know that, you know, the Path of Deceit cover was just gorgeous. And all, mm. all of us, the fans, were stunned when the cover for Path of Vengeance came out. Was that your response as well? Did you get any pre-look at that before it kind of hit? 
for that one, I got a pre, uh, got a look beforehand. What Mr. Seglane usually does with me is show me covers in panels. Okay. Um, so I think all the covers up to recently of all the Vader's Castle series, okay. I've seen with everyone else in a panel. Mike refuses to let me see them. Um, and oh, in nice. run throughs for panels, because quite often we, we, you know, we go through the panel beforehand. He will cover, he will remove from, them the, from slides. the slides. Oh, so no. I can't see them. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so the reaction you get from me um, is is the reaction of the that's, room. That's true. Yeah. And so yeah. you have to sit there and develop a poker face because if I didn't like something, that'd be awful. <laughs> but that's not happened right. yet. Oh, good. Um, so, but at least with Path, there was a. I don't think I'd seen the symbol that's okay. on part the cover um, and the version I'd seen. So that was. So I think that cover came in. And that, I think it was always there, but I don't think I'd really t- I really noticed gotcha. it before in the summer. It wasn't so prominent. So it was only really when I saw it on the big screen in the panel that I went, oh, God, no, it really is there, isn't it? <laughs> um, and I think in the panel you can hear Justina say, what's that on the floor, Cal? And um, so, yeah, it was um, that work. But, yeah, it's incredible work. Both those books are beautiful. I mean, uh, you know, it's just from the colour color scheme yes. and, and everything. It's... Um, yeah, we, um, we we did have a lot of conversation over, over that cover as well. So, um, but yeah, they're, they're beautiful. Work Gorgeous. Color. Absolutely stunning. Definitely. Well, um, I'm going to say it here. This episode is coming out on the Path of Vengeance release date. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. You are going to be joining Fabio and myself of Tattooing Times on Instagram Live on May the 4th, right? Mm-hmm. So That's right, yeah. So happy to have you on there. But that is going to be at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, and... 8 p.m. GMT, I think. <laughs> so that's right. Check out that's what yes, we hope. Check out our socials. <laughs> Kevin's going to be jumping on. We're really yeah. excited about that. Excited to just kind of hang out um, and chat on every, our favorite holiday. Let's just say it, um, May the fourth. Mm-hmm. So thank you for doing that, and thank you for being here, Kevin. It's been an awesome pleasure and joy to chat with you. Hopefully, we can do it again in the future. Good news. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Thank you. I want to once again give Kevin Scott a huge thanks for joining me and talking about Path of Vengeance. The book is amazing, you guys, and I know most not everyone is caught up currently on the phase, but definitely pick this book up, add it to your collection. Um, it does so many cool things story-wise and brings back some much-beloved characters like Marta that we talked about and Yana Rowe, um, so it is definitely not one to miss. Um, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, or me and Kevin talked about it, but this Thursday, May 4th, 2023, obviously is a day that all my Star Wars friends know about, is the May the 4th day. I am excited because Kevin is going to be joining myself and Fabio of Tattooing Times for an Instagram Live, which is taking place at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So figure out whatever time zone that means for you out there in the world. But we are going to have an awesome time chatting all things Star Wars. We have some fun giveaways planned, so it's going to be a good time. That's it for this week's episode. Thanks again to my guest, Kevin Scott, for joining me, and I will catch you guys next time. Take us out, Casey. Thank you so much for listening. For more of my content, visit my website at thisdadreads.com for full book reviews, interviews, and articles. Follow me on socials at thisdadreads on Twitter and Instagram. This Dad Reads, the podcast, is produced by Erebus Industries and me. Special thanks to my editor, Jeremy Tuttle, and Tacoma Media for the use of their song Bounce. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and leave me a five-star review. It really helps. Catch you next time.